One day, two of Houston's finest young men found themselves in an interesting predicament. Fresh out of college with no job. Although they graduated with honors from a respected university, no one wanted to hire them. They begged and pleaded for jobs with every major media outlet in the city, but to no avail. Eventually, they found one another, joined forces, and decided to break into the business. Brought to you by Rooted in Design, tailored designs for creative minds. Here's John Boudreaux and Andrew Carlson. What's happening, podcast land? We're back. A Carmelo-less Houston Rockets has arrived. Blast off, Andrew Carlson. No more mellow. We are mellowless. I wasn't hoping to be celebrating this uh, specific instance, but, you know, I, I was cautiously optimistic heading into the season, and obviously that optimism was misplaced. Everyone's fears about what was going to go wrong basically was realized within the first two, three games. Mm-hmm. And it sucks that this is this is what it's come down to. He's had an awesome career in terms of individual accomplishments, but he is not going to be riding off into the sunset the way he likes. I don't think it's, he's ever had a sunset. Well, he... Give that boy but, a golden parachute and say hello to retirement. Yeah, it's, it's an unfortunate way to go out. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a multiple-time All-Star, you know, multiple-time All-NBA player. It's one of the greatest scorers that the game has seen. But at the end of the day, when you don't have it anymore, you don't have it. And Melo hasn't had it he, for a couple of years now. He didn't now. have it. And he's, he's tried to adjust to this new role with the Rockets. But I think not only is he not capable of adjusting to the role, it's just he, he's it, not really capable of playing the role it, anymore. It's too either. little too late. His, his body just... In, in many ways, probably just can't hold up to it. And plus, he's just not his old self. He, he can't shoot like he used to. And he was a phenomenal scorer. Look at his early days, especially in New York. And even when he was just in his prime, right, ripe coming out of Denver with the Nuggets. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he, he was the talk of the town. He was a fantastic player. And when he wanted to be, he was a fast, fantastic player on both ends of the court. Yeah. But when you have a jump shot like his that relies on you getting lift out of your legs, which... Like, to be fair, most jump shooters have that issue. Mm-hmm. As you get older and as the issues and small lingering injuries here and there pile up, it takes a toll on your body. Mm-hmm. And some guys deal with that better than others. And it's pretty clear that Melo's body just, it just hasn't h- held up. Like He can't make the shots that he used to make. Mm-hmm. It's, it's as simple as that. In isolation situations, he simply cannot do the things that he wants to be able to do, mm-hmm. and he has not adjusted his game to that no, properly. No. So uh, the situation that we're left with now is he's probably going to remain on the roster but not a part of the team yes. for the foreseeable future. Uh, they're going to try their best to find him a landing spot in terms of trade or what have you. He's not going to be released immediately. I know no, that. No, so no, 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 no. We'll, we'll see how it all works out, but essentially he he is no longer uh, he gone. He's no longer part of the team. Yeah, yeah. he gone. He gone. I can't. I can't do the illness joke anymore since he's since he's off the team. Oh but man, he, cool. he's that way. Air quotes. Ill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He gone itis. <laughs> so love it. Oh man. But Golden. but yeah. No. So this lets us dig into a little bit of hopefully what we're going to look at with the team. What the team is going to look like post mellow. Hopefully this is a a refreshment 
for the team in many ways because I, I haven't really heard of anything about Melo necessarily like being a cancer in the locker room. I don't think he was a malcontent by any stretch. I mean, I'm sure stuff is going to come out over mm-hmm. the next week or two. About I'm, this This uh, happened, this uh, happened. Yeah. L- little bits and pieces, obviously, are going to float around within the sports sphere, the Twitter sphere. Yeah, I mean, stuff is going to come out. That's stuff always comes out when in in relation to these scenarios. But I really don't think his attitude was the main issue here. I no, think it's just no, that no. he was physically incapable his of play. being the player that we needed him to be. And the thing is, in the NBA, you usually like if someone needs to be gone or whatever, you kind of see it as an attitude problem sometimes. Yeah. You, you don't necessarily see it all the time as a player just can't play of like what his caliber was, he's regressed so much. You usually don't see that too often. Yeah. You don't not not super often. Yeah, he's he fell off the wagon really quickly. It was yeah. it Chuck was a, it was a drastic drastic fall from mm-hmm. grace and too many times, too many nights in those and, Atlanta clubs. And, well, I don't think that's where he was spending his time in New York. Oh, <laughs> for 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 his few days he spent in Atlanta. <laughs> But like so, diving into this a little bit in terms of what we expect the Rockets' offense to look like without Melo, you've seen it, um, especially in the past two games. The game against the Spurs was a little gritty. It was uh, indeed, but the ball movement has looked better. I know the Rockets aren't. The Rockets are never going to be a ball movement team. They're not the Warriors. They're not the Spurs of old. They're not going to just be flinging passes around the court left and right. And I think too often ball movement is confused with good basketball. Ball movement can be good, but gap good basketball. But at the same time, moving the ball just for the sake of moving the ball does it, nothing. It, exactly. It, the ball movement should be indicative of getting an assist, getting the points. So That's the purpose of ball movement. Well, yeah, so, to open up shots. So I say that to say that you know there are critics of the Rockets' offense, and I understand the idea that they can be not the most fun team to watch at times. Mm-hmm. You know, It's not great to watch James or Chris just dribble the clock out 10, 15 seconds of possession, but it doesn't happen every time. And honestly, some of the individual play that they're capable of creating is genuinely special. It is really special. And for me, it's fun to watch those two guys go to work and get to watch them go to work for 48 minutes a night, Mm -hmm. every single night. Um, But whatever was not working when Melo was here, all of a sudden started to click, especially in these past two games. And look, the offense, frankly, was broken. Um, when Melo was playing, oh, and, and, it, it, and it's it was not shattered, and, and it's it not. Shattered. Look, I don't want to. I don't want to say it was Melo's fault, but as we dig into some more of the stuff, it, I think it kind of was his fault. Um, and I know last week that I said they would be all right as long as the defensive effort and intensity was there, which mm-hmm. it has been for the past mm-hmm. seven, eight games. I think it's definitely improved since that in, that first Indiana game where they really got tested first. Yeah, I believe that was where you really started to see the. The, the team really start to evolve and actually start putting way more emphasis on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and I know last week I said as long as that was there, I was going to be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'd be lying to you if I said that I wasn't worried about the offense because I definitely was. The team had they had no offensive strategy, no offensive game. It looked nothing like the team that we saw last year. And, look, I understand that nobody on the team could shoot worth a damn. I, I understand that basically everyone was having the worst slump of their careers for that stretch. But if you just watched what was going on the court, the spacing wasn't there. It just felt off. It yes. looked off and it felt off. And so what I wanted to do um, was dig into the numbers a little bit in terms of 
the number of open shots and the frequency of open shots that the team was getting with Melo and without Melo. So this dig, baby. So in the ten games, in the first ten games of the season, this is with Melo playing. Um, so wide open shots are classified as shots with no defender within six feet of okay. the shooter, and open shots are, de- are are defender closing in within four to six feet. So in terms of wide open or open shots, Chris Paul was taking fifty three point seven percent open or wide open shots, okay. and this was this was in the ten games with Melo. Without Melo in these past three games. He's been taking 70.3% open or wide open shots. So that's that, a 23% increase? No, no, no. It's, it's a 16.6. But 16. It's, okay, my bad. Yeah, okay. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't do want to bore you with the math or anything. I can't yeah. do math. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not going to bore you with the math or anything, John, but I'm all just right, saying. Right. So it was a significant increase for Chris Paul. Significant, for sure. Yeah, and, and that's just in terms of the frequency. It's not in terms of the number of open shots he's getting, but, but, it's the, frequency the, but the frequency and, of open shots. Occurs, so the yes. percentage of his shots that he is taking that are open went up by 16%, essentially, since Mello left the lineup. Mm-hmm. Eric Gordon. Mello was in the lineup. 52.3% of his shots were open or wide open. Once Mello left the lineup, 63.2% were open or, were open or wide open. Increase of about 11%. Yep. P.J. Tucker, this one's really good. Mello's in the lineup. 72% of his shots are open or wide open. Melo's out of the lineup. 94% of his shots have been open or wide open since Melo has left the lineup. Man, PJ so, should shoot more than... <laughs> That's all I got to say. He's getting open that often? Jeez. So, so, there's a, so there's a huge disparity there for those three players in yes. terms of when Melo's on the court and when, when Melo's not on the court. These guys are getting open looks at a higher frequency. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Now, do we think that's more because of Melo simply not on the floor and he's not grabbing all this and thus all the boats are rising because Melo's not holding them down? Well, I, I, I don't know exactly what to attribute it to. Okay. I'm, I'm going to throw my hypotheses out there and see what, uh, see what ends up sticking. But to me, I think the biggest issue was when Melo was on the floor, the ball movement was, I know, and I know we're not a, a huge ball movement team, but the ball movement was absolutely worse when Melo no, was on the no, floor. Let, let me describe it. It was dry, like Mojave dry. And on top of that, I, I feel like he just gummed up the spacing. Okay. I, I, and I think that's especially important when you take a look at Chris, the, the, the difference in the frequency of open shots mm-hmm. that Chris Paul was getting. I think that Melo was taking up spaces that Chris Paul likes to operate in, mm-hmm. and he was forcing him into different areas of the court. Yeah. And he was where he was stationed, uh, or where Melo was usually spotting up on the floor, I think that had an effect in terms of the help defense um, yeah. that, that came up, that, that, would, that would come over to mm-hmm. Chris. If Chris beats his man off the dribble, Melo, wherever he was on the floor, and whatever domino effect that had on the defenders and how they rotated, mm-hmm. it forced Chris into taking more contested shots. Yes, and uh, I have to absolutely agree with that point because we saw early in the year that whenever Mello was out there, especially I, I thought within the first quarter, if he was out there in the first, second quarters, it just looked awkward. Yeah. It was awkward because Chris, like you, like you said, was not making shots and making plays in his normal areas in which he does, and that's why he's so successful because he's mastered those areas of the court. Yeah, and I, I think this is the biggest reason that Melo is going to end up being cut is because there, there was this adjustment period, and yes, it might have ended up working in terms of let's, 
let these guys play 50, 60 games together and see if they can find something out. But when you don't bring enough value to make it worth that adjustment period and what that, that blooding in period is going to take, then there's no point in having him out there. There's no point in trying to adjust to just adjust to Mello when Mello has essentially been washed up. And the numbers, unfortunately, they back that up. You look at the plus minuses, Mello is a net negative player these days. Mm-hmm. He was a net negative last year. He's a net negative this year. There's not a single lineup that the Rockets have where Melo's played at least 10 minutes this year where they're positive. The best lineup they've had is a lineup of, let me see here, one second. Um, it's a lineup of Gerald, Melo, CP3, Capella, and EG. They broke even for 11 minutes. <laughs> that is the best lineup that Melo was involved in that had at least 10 minutes played. Shut Every other Gerald. single... Every other single lineup that Melo was involved that played at least 10 minutes, minus 5.4 or worse mm. per 100 possessions. That's not good. That's awful. And look, I get that the Rockets as a team have been bad this year, so a lot of those those lineups are going to be negatives. But that doesn't excuse the fact that Melo is a part of all that negativity. Yes. You know, I don't want to put all the blame on him. But I think that a significant portion of the blame does need to be thrown his way simply because of the fact that all of a sudden he's not here. People are shooting better. Yeah. People are getting better looks. It, what, what, there, there's too much where, evidence to say you, that there's you, no Would you say any of the blame lies upon Daryl Morey for being so adamant to bringing Mello in? Because we know D'Antoni has an insanely checkered past with Mello, and I was against this from the moment I heard it, because if they're not going to get along earlier when he's super diva, I don't think he's going to get along well when he's post diva and he's trying to catch or cap- capture that limelight. I think that Maury doesn't deserve as much blame as he's probably going to get simply because of the fact that right now he's a little hamstrung in, in terms of the fact that he's got two stars on his team who are going to dictate a lot of the personnel moves. Mm-hmm. So if Chris Paul is saying, hey, we need to bring in my guy Melo, Daryl Morey is not going to just like flat out say no. Yeah, he's, to, to he's that going to work with. He, him. He's going to he's going to try and work with Chris, and that's part of what being a good GM is these days. Is you have to have a relationship relationship with the players. If you don't, you're going to be out of a job very quickly because the talent that players are is a lot less replaceable than the upper management and coaching level mm-hmm. talent. There are there are tons of coaches out there who are ready to play NBA basketball. There may be ten people on the planet who can do what Chris Paul does, mm-hmm. maybe. So. If Chris Paul says, hey, let's try this out, chances are... You're going to listen and try it. Yeah, you're going to listen and try it out. And we've talked ad nauseum about the fact that they're not going to put... They weren't going to pay Trevor Ariza $15 million, which was going to no, take a cap hit of $40-plus million. He's not a $15 million player. You, you were never, you were never going to do that. You were nev- that was never an option no, on the table. It, that wasn't even close to being in the conversation. And then you look at Trevor's stats this year. So he he's going to be out this, this next game for the Suns. And... He's been pretty awful. Everywhere you look online in terms of talking to Suns fans, whether it's Reddit, Twitter, elsewhere, Trevor's been pretty crappy this year. And you look at the stats, he's shooting 37% from the field and 34% from three. And his defense hasn't been anything to Those write home like about. Those sound like my apparently. numbers. And look, with Luke Bahamute, it's it's been more of the same. Mm. He's missed the past nine or ten games for the Clippers. Yeah, he played the first four games and he was a decent player mm-hmm. but it's pro- if, if you can't rely on a guy 
the whole I'm I'm pretty sure the whole reason we didn't sign Bahamute after the season was over, I was going to say because of the injuries. Is because of the injuries and yeah. the fact that we his thought shoulder was if we, jacked if we, up. Yeah, we thought his shoulder was shot, and that him as a player at a he at peaked. a top high level he peaked already. That past season was as good it was going to yeah. get as as it was going to get, and it was all all downhill from here, especially in terms of the injuries. And I think for the most part, they've been proven right for not signing those mm-hmm. guys back, at least in terms of what they provided to yes. their new team yes. since. Since leaving the Rockets, and you know, you can make the argument where it says, "Man, if they were in the Rockets situation, they'd be performing a lot better." And th- I think there's some credence to that. I absolutely do. But at the end of the day, they went to get some better money elsewhere, mm. and they're not living up to the contracts that we would have had to match. So I, I don't understand what what fans are going to complain about there. Yeah, and now with with Melo being gone. Do you see the Rockets going out and trying to get someone, not necessarily to replace him, but to sort of fill his spot in essentially a replacement, but not hopefully to the cancer, at least on-court cancer that was Melo? I I don't think it's going to be an immediate replacement. We'll see what happens once the buyout market starts to take shape in terms of players starting to get released. And look, there's still the possibility that the Phoenix Suns release Trevor Reza and he's back in a Rockets uniform by the end of the year. I'm not saying it's a likely possibility, but there is certainly the possibility that where they're like, look, we're not in playoff contention. We promised you that if we weren't in playoff contention, we're going to buy your contract out. It's only a one-year deal. It's not like they're having to pay out multiple years' worth of salary. Hey, he just went there to get paid. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't say it's out of the question that, that you see them bring in a small forward off a buyout, whether it's an mm-hmm. Ariza or somebody else across the league. So it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do in response to this, the cutting of Carmelo Anthony. Because the fact of the matter is, right now, they are short on wings. The rotation they had at Denver uh, in their last game was eight men. You can't, you can't go through a regular season with an eight-man rotation. No, you can go through the playoffs with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. But would, you, you need a minimum nine, ten-man rotation. Minimum. Yeah. You have so, to keep the bodies fresh in the regular season. Yeah, so hopefully Gerald Green, uh, Gerald Green's questionable for tonight, so hopefully he'll be back and ready to go in the next couple of games. But even if Gerald's back, that puts us in a nine-man rotation because I know nobody on a, who's a Rockets fan wants to see Michael Carl Williams ever step on the floor again no. in meaningful minutes. No, I He don't was wanna, that I, bad. I don't want to see that man in a Rockets uniform. Yeah, he was and, that and, bad. And, 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 with the greatest respect, uh, I'm sure he's a – we know he's a phenomenal player, but in uh, as opposed to NBA standards, we don't need him right now. Yeah. We he, don't. He, he was that bad. So it's it's going to be very interesting to see what they do and where they go from here. Uh, this upcoming game against the Warriors is going to be a real good real litmus. Tell-tell. It's going to be a real good litmus test. Even though I understand that Curry's out, and in the Steve Kerr era, I think they're only twenty three and nineteen when Curry doesn't play. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're they're even. They're 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 very beatable if Curry's not in there. So this is going to be a, a good test against a good good team. You know, I, I'm not going to call them the championship warriors simply because of the fact that Curry's not there, mm. and we know that the difficulties he presents when he's on oh, the yeah. court. Absolutely, it's a total, it's a totally different ball club when he's there. Yeah, he completely changes. You could see the attitude of the players around. Yeah, him. but even without him, they've still got Kevin Durant, they've still got Clay Thompson, they've still got Draymond Green. That's three All NBA players. So frankly, I'm not going to shed a tear. No. <laughs> so we'll we'll see what happens to him. Might tonight. have to shed a tear if we get blown out by thirty. So you know. as as if if they beat the Warriors, 
then I think that things are I think things are looking up regardless. But if they yes. beat the Warriors Agreed. in this upcoming game, Agreed. then I think things are really, really looking up. And it's going to be exciting to see where they go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, guys, we're going to take a quick little break. We want to say thanks to our sponsor, Rooted in Design HTX. Uh, my friend Matthew Cow is working on some brand new cutting boards, a dining room table for one of his friends for a wedding gift. So if you're looking for anything, we know winter foam wars coming up. If you want some brand new elegant cufflinks, they're beautiful. I have a pair. You should check them out. Rooted in Design HTX on Instagram. You're going to find some quality, quality photos and some great stuff about Matthew and his company. Also, rootedindesignhtx.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. We're going to have a uh, little, maybe a little special guest action in the, in the second hour. Hey. Bit B Pod on the Twitter. Hyped up Andrew on Twitter. Johnny Toblerone as well. Big thanks to wonderful Tyler for doing the show today. We love you. In uh, in the nondescript studios, we're no longer in the cold closet, guys. We moved out about a couple months ago, and now on iTunes. And now on hey, we're on iTunes, guys. Yeah, and now on iTunes, we're no it longer. It only took about a year's worth of recording episodes to finally make the effort. To we're not at a year yet. ITunes. We started in February. Oh uh, yeah, but we're we're getting we're, there. we're, we're close. We're, we're close. We're I'm gonna have to change that promo. We're no longer uh, SoundCloud's most exclusive. We're still exclu- <laughs> we're not necessarily exclusive anymore, but uh, we might as well be. Whatever you say. We're John. fancy. Whatever you say. All right, guys. Joining us now on the Bitby Pod hotline. I just made that up in my head. Joe George. Wonderful Joseph George. How are you doing, Joe? Good, guys. How are you doing? Pretty fantastic. Andrew, what's up, my man? We're, we got Joe on the line, baby. Yeah, I'm excited. I haven't talked to Joe in a, in a long time. Dude, I don't think, Andrew, I don't think I've talked to you since D-Day. Since the, the dawn of the end of my career at Gal Media. <laughs> Or at least for the time being, I don't think I've talked to you since then. So how you been, man? I'm doing great. Um, I'm now a part-time sort of producer over here. I'm working my way up the ladder. So good stuff. Stuff's going pretty well. Can't complain. That, that's good, man. Yeah, Joe. Well, what you know what? Because you are the realest Chicago Chicago native that we have in this town. We're we're gonna let you talk some uh, Chicago Bears first. What's on your mind? I've been really enjoying your boy Trubisky. He's been developing slowly but surely. What do you got to say about your boy? Man, I think he's looked great this year. I think in the new offense with Matt Nagy and the weapons they've brought in with like Trey Burton, Allen Robinson, Tariq Cohen's really taking the next step. Mm-hmm. Trubisky's 
you know, followed suit, and he's looked really, really good this year, and they're in first place right now. And and honestly, people, I think they, for some reason, are locked in on painting Trubisky as this terrible quarterback. But when I look back at that draft now, I look at Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, and Trubisky, and and I know this might sound crazy with the way Mahomes has played, but I think they're all pretty interchangeable at the moment. You know, I think Trubisky and Watson are statistically, they're literally the same exact quarterback this mm-hmm. year. If you put them side by side, there's so few differences in their stats. They're literally like their completion percentage is like a point apart. Their touchdowns, Trubisky has two more touchdowns. They have the same amount of interceptions. They're, they're almost identical quarterbacks. And for me, like Pat Mahomes, he's, yes, he's playing great, but the rest, the, the Chiefs had the number five offense last year in the NFL. This year it's number two. It might just be all the talent and the coaching they have in Kansas City. So I think Trubisky has really stepped into his own, and he's really holding his own with these other two quarterbacks that he was drafted with. I think he's playing great. And, you know, if the Bears can get a win on Sunday night football against the Vikings, then I think the division's definitely theirs. If they lose, you know, it's going to be a toss-up because they just got flexed into Sunday night again. Um, this game was flexed, the Vikings game, but they also got flexed the Rams game later in the season in the Sunday night football. So they're going to be in prime time a lot, including Thanksgiving against the Lions. So it's kind of put up or shut up time for the Chicago Bears, but I'm excited. It's been awesome to watch. Yeah, man. We saw uh, Trubisky really have a big game last week, at least uh, with Allen Robinson. He was going off. Uh, Allen had a fantastic game against uh, the Miami Dolphins. Uh, what was that? I believe like a week ago, I want to say. Uh, Allen did really great, and uh, he, he's coming off of that, I believe, torn ACL of last year. Yeah. And so he's he's really been um, kind of off and on, off and on, but slowly but surely, I've been really loving the development of Allen. Yeah, I mean, he was good. People forget, like, Allen Hearns hasn't done much with Dallas, but, you know, Hearns and Robinson, they put up some big numbers when mm-hmm. Blake Bortles was, like, a legit fantasy quarterback because – the Jags were always down by so much that they were throwing the ball all over the place against easy coverage. And Allen Robinson was putting up big numbers, and he's kind of continued that. You know, he staffed the two weeks before, as did Cleo Mack, but that's because the Bears were playing the Bills and the Jets. So they, those guys were healthy enough to play from everything I've heard and from everyone that, you know, all my friends in Chicago, they told me that they could have gone, but they were playing such awful football teams, they didn't see the point in putting either of those guys out there. He's a really good wide receiver. I, I thought that was a good signing in the offseason, but it's, it's turning into be a great signing. I mean, Allen Robinson has really been the best receiver they've had since Brandon Marshall left, and he was even on his downslope a little bit. But Alshon Jeffrey, they let him walk. He's been okay in Philadelphia. They let their number one wide receiver last year, Ken Meredith, walk. He has been nothing with the Saints, they brought in Des Bryant. Then they brought in Brandon Marshall, and Ken Meredith can barely touch the field. So Allen Robinson has really filled this void that the Bears haven't had since Brandon Marshall and Jay Cutler were together. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think a team had a more impactful offseason this year than the Bears in terms of the additions they made. Yeah, plus the star power well, that, I mean, they've, that they brought in as well. How, how much fun has it been to watch Khalil Mack do his thing this year in a it's Bears uniform? Awesome. It is so cool. I mean... So living in Houston now, it's funny because, like, the Bears and the Texans are – it's not just Trubisky and Watson. Like, I look at these franchises as, like, mirror images of each other. Where, like, they're built on defense, mm-hmm. and they have always had these great players. But since 
the Bears got done with Brian Urlacher, you know, I guess five years ago now that he's in the Hall of Fame, five, six seasons ago or whatever it is, they haven't had an impact guy like this. And Khalil Mack is a monster. Like, he's so much fun to watch at all times. It, it's one of those guys where you almost you can't take your eyes off of him when he's on the field. Because, I don't know, there was, this, there was this clip from this last weekend against the Lions where he, he gets around one, one, to, one offensive lineman, and then he looks like he barely even tried, and he levels the next guy right in front of him. He's just an animal. I, he is one of the most powerful pass rushers we have in the NFL that we've had in a long time. It's awesome having him on the Bears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about real quick about the development of Jordan Howard. And e- even when uh, my fantasy going, team says no development for Jordan Howard, uh, bad hey, poo poo. Hey, if anything, his games against these uh, lesser teams have been monstrous. Him and Tariq Cohen have pr- proven to be a pretty nice one-two tandem. Some weeks they're a little inconsistent, but overall, I've really enjoyed watching them. Really overall. Okay. So Jordan Howard like has definitely taken a step back. This yeah, year. he's, he's been pretty bad this year, John. I, I've liked him on my fantasy team, though. John, I don't know what I don't fantasy know what your league you're in. I'm John. Him. John, he's got five touchdowns and 460 yards so far this year. That's that's, that's pretty awful. Solid. That's pretty goddamn awful. Yeah, and like all those touchdowns are pretty much coming the last three weeks. Yeah, they're coming I mean, in definitely he, on I the think third he yard line. Had one touchdown <laughs> going into the Jets game. So he has really been down this year, but that's because of the offense. But, like, Jordan Howard was a steal for the Bears. Yeah. He was in the top – I think he was in the top three off the top of my head in rushing the last two seasons. He finished second in the league in rushing his rookie year, only behind the rookie of the year, Ezekiel Elliott. He followed that up with another 1,000-yard season. He's a legitimately good running back. I'm just not sure, like, long-term what his place is in this offense. He's learned to catch a little bit better. But Tariq Cohen – is going to be the main back because mm-hmm. of the way they're going to throw the ball. But Jordan Howard is a good running back. Like, yeah. He is a good running back. He, he has been down in fantasy, though. Let's move on real quick to this uh, Texans-Redskins game. Uh, Texans-Redskins, the two, um, I wouldn't want to say necessarily evenly matched, but according to the record, they are. Um, the, it, the Redskins are the biggest paper tiger yeah. in the league to me. Would you yep. say so? Yeah. So I mean, you, look, you look at what Washington is right now. They're 6-3 and three with a point differential of plus one. Mm-hmm. They've been scraping by for weeks and weeks now. Yeah. Last week, they won 16-3, to which on face value, you, you'd say, oh, that's a good win. They gave up over 500 yards to the, to the Buccaneers. Um, the Bucs were the first team in NFL history to have over 500 yards of total offense and score three or less points in a game. And that Wait, tells it baffles your mind. That, that tells you all you need to know about the performance. I mean, that was bend but not break to the absolute extreme. So I, I don't expect much out of, mm-hmm. out of the Redskins, but we'll, we'll see what happens. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I think the Texans should handle this game pretty easily, man. I, like, if they gave up 500 yards to Ryan Fitzpatrick, imagine what a healthy Deshaun Watson could do. Like, they could destroy this team. Now with Demarius Thomas, like, really kind of getting into his own in the offense, they, this game could get ugly and ugly fast. I think you look at what the Atlanta Falcons did the week before mm-hmm. winning – 38-14 to 14 against the Redskins, the Houston Texans could absolutely put up a crooked number like that and just dominate this game. The Redskins have a ton of injuries on the offensive line, which means Clowney and J.J. and guys like D.J. Reader should just feast on them. Adrian Peterson's banged up, and he's been incredible this year for what 
everyone thought he was going to be. He eclipsed his last two seasons of rushing yards already this year, which is just a great story. But I, I just expect the Texans to kind of smoke them out and just really make this an ugly game. I would be stunned, in all honesty, if the Texans lost this game. This would be – I would consider this a really bad loss, especially with what Tennessee just did against New England and the way Andrew Luck and the Colts are playing. This is a, I think this is a really huge game for the Texans because if you win this game and let's say the Colts win – You've got two five and five teams behind you. You're sitting at seven and three. You've got some cushion with both these teams still coming up again this season. Mm-hmm. So they should beat them, and they should beat them handily. But this is where we're going to see: is this the Texans that fans are used to, where they should win this game and they're going to end up losing, or are they going to take that next step and prove mm-hmm. that they're actually a really good football team? and dominate this game because that's what we all should be expecting. That's mm-hmm. what they should do. Yeah. Absolutely. And what, what, what you're talking about, Joe, is the, this dominance. And honestly, Vegas right now is not really showing that too much in the money line. And right oh. now the Texans are only a 155 favorite. Well, I mean, the, te- the, the Texans are minus three. So, yeah, that's – that's. I mean, when, when you get – You usually get plus two or well, like minus 2.5 when you're at home. You well, get it, well it's in Washington. You're, so. Yes, exactly. So, so that's what I'm exactly. saying. So, yeah. so they're saying on a neutral field – they think the Texans, Texans are six points better mm-hmm. or thereabouts from yeah. the Redskins. And I think that's pretty fair. Okay. I, I think that's relatively fair. I, I The way the Redskins has, have sort of performed over their heads a little bit this season, you, you see this happen all the time where a team, a team does that for an entire season. I don't expect it to continue, mm. but the reality is they're 6-3, and three, and because of that, even though the stats might not say that you have to give them that respect, I, I think you have to give them a little bit of respect in terms of the fact that, hey, they've won six football Just games. Go. Yeah. No, I, so I agree. And, look, I think there is an argument that I bet if you listen to Washington, D.C. sports radio right now, they're probably saying exactly what you just said, Andrew, about the Houston Texans. Oh, like, yeah. The reality is the Texans have beaten nobody. And I mean, that's like, absolutely they really, true. The, the schedule's easy, and there's nothing you can do about it. You play the people in front of you, and you beat the people in front of you. It gets you into the playoffs. But th- this is the last plus 500 team on their schedule this year. And the way it's shaping out, the only teams that might end up above 500 that the Texans could play for the entire season could be the Redskins and the Patriots, Yeah, which is remarkable. So maybe the Texans aren't a great football team. I don't think we really know that. I believe they are. It's a homer pick, and it's probably because I was new at the station I'm at now, but I definitely <laughs> picked the Texans to go to the Super Bowl this year because I love Deshaun Watson. But they're, I think they're a good football team, but maybe they, they could get exposed, and that would be a huge bummer if that happens. That, that would be really deflating, not just for the team, but for the city in general because after that 0-3 start, we've sort of seen the city get behind the team a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I mean, after that zero and three start, it was just so so. No, you're completely depressing. Deflated. It, it was it was a legitimately depressing mood. Yeah, going into Texans games. I thought I was watching that. like 2004 Texans. It was just I like, mean, oh, we we're, we're we don't belong on the same planet. I mean, that that Giants game at NRG Stadium. Oh, that 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 environment. Dude. I don't think I had ever seen NRG Stadium look like it did that day, it's, or at least that early in the season mm-hmm. when there's still something to play for. I, I've never seen the stadium look like it did, no. that, or, or sound like it did that no. day. So the fact that they've gone from that point to where they are now is mm-hmm. extremely impressive. But 
Then again, they they, they haven't beat they, anyone. Yeah. Really. They, the, the only other what the test, only the only, the only good test team that they have is what Philly. Philly's the only other decent test, somewhat decent test that yeah. they have. But they've looked awful. They just yeah. lost to the Cowboys. Yes. I mean, the best team left. What is the is, Titans? Because they just this, won this, last week outright. But see, like, I don't think the Titans like I, the Pats have had some awful losses this year. Yeah, yeah. So like, I I don't know if I buy the Titans. I think it's not honestly. I don't think it's even close. I think the Colts are the next best team in the division. I would agree. I would. And agree. people should be panicking right now. Like, I don't want to. You don't want to worry about the future too much because the Texans' future is bright. But this Colts team is so good, and Andrew Luck is playing like elite Andrew Luck. They have the cap space. It's my prediction of where Le'Veon Bell goes. I think he ends up in Indianapolis. Worst nightmare for Texans fans. And if he goes to Indy, the Colts are might be the best team in the division. And even if he doesn't, they're going to be right there. They're drafting really well. I think they hit a home run with their coaching hire, which is hilarious because Josh McDaniels screwed them. <laughs> but they ended up in so much of a better situation with Frank Reich I mean, you look at how bad the Eagles' offense is, is without him there. Mm-hmm. Like The Colts are on the Texans' heel. And the Titans, we'll see. I, I don't buy into Mariota. I don't buy into Vrabel. I think it's overrated. It's overblown. And they've made terrible decisions like the Malcolm Butler contract. I, the only team I worry about as a Texans you know, fan now is the Colts. I mean, I completely agree with you on that. And... For me, the scariest part of that is the fact that they finally fixed their offensive line. For how long has the issue been when oh. with Andrew Luck's been there? You know, it's he's been just been well, he's just been getting beat up just game after game after, after game after game after game. Time after he gets sacked. Yeah, and now they finally it, man. they they might have one of the best, if not the best, line in football, especially with the addition of Quinton Nelson. They, I mean, the way they've performed, especially these past few weeks, they've performed like the best line in football. It's, I, I think you're absolutely right that they're the team to look out for not only heading into the end of this year, but for the years to come. Because they've got, they've got a lot of talent mm-hmm. on that side of the ball. They've Absolutely. got a yeah. whole lot of talent. They've, they've stacked it within, I believe, what the last two drafts. Yeah. Drafting a ton, a ton of skill position players. Yeah. Which is going to be really, really sneaky within the past uh, next few years. Now, last thing before we get off the, the Texans. Did you see DJ Swearinger's comments on uh, Bill O'Brien and the Texans uh, sort of smearing his name? Yeah, I did. Um, it's interesting that two weeks in a row now, we've had these guys come out and kind of attack Bill O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't remember exactly what he said. I should have wrote it down. But Owen Daniels last night, I was actually working with him, and he said that even Bill O'Brien on Owen's way out the door, which he never played for B.O.B., he even, like, made similar comments. And that he just didn't have this faith that Owen Daniels could succeed. Now, Owen was pretty beat up, but he did go to win a Super Bowl for Gary Kubiak and the Denver Broncos. It's weird. I think Bill O'Brien's a jerk when he cuts people. Like, I don't know. Like, it just seems like he's not nice when he cuts people at any point in time. But, you know, D.J. Swearinger, he got cut twice. I think after the Texans and he admitted that he was immature and look, he just got a good contract five years in or whatever he is. Like I, I don't have a problem with Bill O'Brien saying that because I don't think he was wrong. DJ Swearinger, it took him, you know, four years to figure out how to be a pro. And I'm not even convinced he's really done that yet. So it's, it's interesting. I think 
of that Bill O'Brien all of a sudden has this track record of like people don't like him on the way out the door. Um, I'd be curious to see if this keeps happening. In all honesty, yeah, it's going really forward. yeah, it's really interesting for me just because it seems like the players that are on the team currently like him a lot and continue to fight for him even when the situation doesn't look great from the outside looking in. So it's it's just an interesting comparison for me. I guess he's got his guys and he's going to back his guys to the end. But if you're not part of his group, then perhaps he has some more choice words for you as what he believes you your place in the league is. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely right, man. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> Respect to Case Keesum. Respe- respect to the he's goat. Not, he's not good, John. Hey, I, I love him as a UH Cougar, but we know he's not a legit number one NFL QB. We all know that. No, uh, and even even with that situation, like even though like he put that in his book that Bill O'Brien told me he would never be a third string quarterback, he literally ended up back on the Texans that season. Yeah, they brought him back. <laughs> like they brought him back to play for the Texans. So like, yeah, Bill O'Brien might have insulted you on your way out the door. But the only reason why you might still be in the NFL is because Bill O'Brien brought you back to the Houston Texans and let you keep playing football. Mm-hmm. So even though if he's angry and he put it in his book, I think he owes B.O.B. a, a thank you as well at the same time. Mm-hmm. Way, way to put it, Joe G. Way <laughs> to put it. it. Well, Joe, we want to say thank you so much for joining us today, man. Really, thanks a lot for your time. I appreciate buddy. it a lot, man. No, no problem, guys. You know I love you both, and I'm proud of you guys. And uh, I love when you guys intern for me, and I'm glad you guys are no longer interns and are actually getting paid because you both deserve it, so keep grinding, guys. Hey, hey we're glad we're getting paid too, Joe. I'll let you know that. <laughs> hey, man, sure. I, like, I like paying my rent, you know. Well, with your mom? Yeah, my mom makes me pay rent. <laughs> it's true, though. My mom makes me pay rent, man. Yeah, John's yeah, over know, here I making know, cut, cut motions to Tyler to tell, to tell Joe to, like, stop. Uh, Angel's over here lying. My hands are on my keyboard. Oh, man. Well, thanks so much, Joe. We really appreciate it. We're going to have to have you come on again sometime. Maybe in studio one of these days. If not, we'll just keep it on the phone, whatever works best for you, my dude. Yeah, I think I'll come in studio one day. I think people still like me over there, so I think we're all good. Yeah, we, we still talk about you. Uh, uh, old MC loves you, dear. Oh, come on. I know I have good, I, I know I have good friends. No, you he, he, still have some good friends in the building. Oh, oh yeah, you definitely you know, I know. I know. Um, just before you guys can include this in the podcast, I know that like my way out, like it sucks leaving Gal, and I like my new job, but I definitely miss the people. There's a lot of good people in that building, and I know I still have a lot of good friends because even when I've got into Twitter spats with people, uh, I've been pretty pleasantly surprised by uh, the support that I still get from the people at Gal Media. So I'm still a big fan of everyone there. Amen, brother. We are as well. Thanks so much for joining us, Joe. Love you, buddy. No, no problem. Love you guys, too. Talk to All you. Right. Yep. Peace. Sick. All right. And you want to hit on Coops? Or... Yeah, we can. All right. Joe, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're just going to hit on some UH stuff. Uh, but, yeah. Thanks, so, uh, thanks, dude, man. It was awesome. Yeah. No problem, guys. I'll talk to you soon. I'm going to hang up, right? All right. Sounds, All right good. sounds good. See you. Bye. All right. Massive thanks to Joe George for joining us on the show. It's He's been a good friend of ours for a little while. I mean, he was he was a producer when both of us were still interning over here at Gal. Yeah. So it, obviously, you know, he he holds a dear place in our hearts. Always love to hear from him. So that being said, 
I didn't want to end the show on a bad note, John, but it looks like that's where we're headed. Really? Yeah, we got to talk. No, I, hold, hold, hold. Do we really have to talk about this? Yeah, we 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 do. We, we, you know, you know what we are. They're we, the alma mater. We got to talk about them. You know, you know, I've cried for this university more times than I can count on my hands at football games, at bowl games, okay. on flights. I have, I haven't done, I haven't done that. So you got me beat on the crying uh, scale there. I've cried for this university because <laughs> I love the school but more, our, more, more than I love the school that I grew up watching, which is LSU. Yeah. But our, our Houston Cougars have not exactly lit the world on fire these past couple They've weeks. They've lit themselves on fire. Um, they lost to the Temple. In, in, in a bad way. They lost to the Temple in the homecoming game. Gave up six touchdowns to a single running yeah, back. Why, why, why aren't we like playing the like Lamar School for the Blind on, for homecoming? Why are we having to play Temple? Well, that's that's something you can scheduling take up. Scheduling issues. Come on, Couture. Yeah, Get t- it together. Take that up with Reno You Couture. don't need a limo to and from your house. Quit wasting our tax dollars. Okay, well, you you can you can keep ranting, but I'm gonna I'm gonna delve into what actually happened in the games a little bit. Uh, it's it's really difficult, but I think I, we've bashed on the coaches a good bit oh. for this past week, week, two weeks now, easily. Yes, and at some point, the players also needed to to take some of the blame as well. And I talked to my buddy; he's part of the equipment staff. He's he was actually in the booth um, with Coach. Uh, D'Onofrio is how the, the correct way to pronounce D'Onofrio. his name. D'Onofrio. He was he was in the co- in the booth with the, the defensive coordinators um, for that SMU game, and he said that he really didn't think it was the coach's fault. Mm. He's 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 there at every single practice. He says that they've got them doing coaching drills out the behind or tackling drills. Out sorry, the out, the, out the wazoo. Like they are doing tackling drills left and right, and these guys still can't wrap up and tackle. And he doesn't know what more they can do, and they're teaching them the form. They're 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 plateauing. That they 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 just simply aren't applying the stuff that they learned yeah. in the tackling drills. And he said, on top of that, you know, when he was in the booth, Coach D'Onofrio was legitimately like saying, "Here, they're about to do this. They've done this in this situation a lot of the time. Here's what they're about to do. Here's what we need to run to counter it. They run the correct play to counter it, and the players simply aren't able to execute. They're not executing. So if if the players don't step up and execute then there's not much that the coaches can do. Mm-hmm. So I was glad to get that look into some of the stuff that's going on. and just It's not as one-sided as I believed it was in terms of, hey, you just got to fire the coach. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's part of the reason he probably hasn't been fired is that Applewhite sees the players simply aren't stepping they're, up and they're executing. Not up, yeah. And I get that we've got a lot of injuries, and there are a lot of issues all across the but defense. But then again, you should be hungry enough and wanted enough if, if, you, if you, that's what you are. If you call yourself a competitor, then you should bust your ass to make that play. Yeah, but I- injuries are never an excuse for simply not being able to perform simple tasks. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, that's been the case with our, this our, defense. Our, here, here's, what, here's what it comes down to. Are you sore or are you injured? It's one of the two. If you're sore, you can play. If you're injured, don't play. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not. Ta- I'm, I'm talking about guys who are injured and incapable of yes, playing. Yes, being of out. course. So, yeah. so, yeah, so that's that. Those are the, we've got a lot of guys I don't think Ed Oliver is going to play a UH game again. No, I think that no, he's his, his he's probably body's, sh- his body's on the shelf and being rested. Yeah, I think he's probably going to sit out until the draft, and that's fine. He's given this university two and a half fantastic years. May not have turned out the way we wanted, but it has been a absolute treat to watch him play college football. Yeah, though. I still I still got to like finesse one of those bobbleheads, dude. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but I mean, outside of him, there's still been plenty of injuries 
across the defensive line to the secondary. So I, I can excuse it a little bit, but at the same time, guys have to step up and play. They simply haven't been doing that. And then even on the offense, you know, I understand that it's difficult when you're asked to score every time you have the ball. But in, 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 this, in this era of college football, it almost seems like you have to. Well, it's not necessarily this era of college football. Well, it's, it's just college football now. It's, 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 just how it's you... the American Athletic Conference in the Big 12 where mm-hmm. teams legitimately don't know how to play defense. Yeah, well, it's like 49 to 12 or like 49 to 49. You know what I mean. Yeah. It's just it's a shootout every single time. Yeah. And it's... <sighs> it's I'm not going to say it's not entertaining, but then again... No, it, 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 I, I honestly find football more entertaining when... There's an equal balance of defensive plays and offensive plays. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to want, watch solely from the perspective of seeing gaudy numbers. And Derek King's been absolutely fantastic this year. I can't say that enough. He's been and he he he'll, he'll been, only improve more. Yeah, he only he already has another what year of eligibility? He left? has one, one more? year left. Yeah, he's he's been one of the best quarterbacks that UH has had the pleasure of seeing for the for this season. Um, I think he's already broken the. American Athletic Conference record for touchdowns responsible for in a season, and we still got a few games to go. So he's just going to push that number up even higher. But man, it's what was once a super promising season has sort of gone down. Oh, dude, th- gone down in flames. Yeah, we 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 peaked at number seventeen in the AP poll, and you went right down the gutter. Yeah, I mean, at this point, SMU controls their own destiny in terms of going to the conference championship game from our side of the bracket ends. If you had told me at the start of the season that that's where we're gonna we were gonna end up, then I wouldn't have even seen SMU ever like I, be I, close. I, I would have asked you to pass the pipe is what I would have asked you to do because you were smoking some of that good good. If you thought that SMU at the start of the season was going to be competing for the conference title, mm-hmm. but here we are. So if if this is what ends up playing out, at this point we've got Tulane. And then we've got Memphis on the road after that. Neither of those are gimme games. Tulane, you should win. You absolutely should win. But should. I mean, look, we, we just lost to SMU. SMU, we should have won too. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing at this point in time that is a sure thing with this team. I think that's the only sure thing is we know that nothing is a sure thing. And then on top Which of that. Is really sad. Yeah. And then on top of that, you got Memphis on the road. And look, who knows what UH is going to show up for that. No. You know. Cardiac Cougs, my man. There's a reason for the nickname. So, hopefully they win these couple games. SMU drops one like SMU is wont to do. And then, you know, you get to play UCF and get a chance to salvage your season. But if not, you know, if if they drop one or both of these games against Tulane and Memphis, the seat should be very, very hot for Major Applewhite. Mm-hmm. It absolutely should be. And if they end up with a, let's say eight and five type season, I wouldn't be shocked to see Major on the thinnest of leashes heading into next year if he's still around. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's going to be major overhaul in general in the off season, or at least I hope that there's going to be some major overhaul um, from the top down. No pun intended. <laughs> but we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today's podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We thank you all so much for listening, wherever you are from. If you're from the Czech Republic, if you're one of the random bots in uh, Liberia, we love you, we love you. Uh, hit us up on the Twitter, at BitBPod, on Instagram, at Breaking Into The Business. 
on the Twitter for me. It's Johnny Toblerone and Hyped Up Andrew at Hyped Up Andrew. Thanks again for Tyler Scott for producing today's program. We love you, Tyler Scott. Thumbs up from Tyler Scott. All right, that's going to wrap it up. We love you. We love you. Peace.